0: Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love love, Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara. Your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Female sexual wellness is more than just bubble bath and spa days. This is why I recommend supplements from Giddy Health. Giddy has libido-boosting supplement for women that contains powerful ingredients like ashwagandha and ginseng, which taken over time has shown to improve libido, mood, and sexual functioning. Visit giddyhealth.com, that's G-I-D-D-Y health.com, and use code GIDDY10 for 10% off. Supplements are sexy. Thank you so much for being here today, Dr. Lori. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Dr. Tara. I'm so excited to talk to you. So fun fact, uh, we went to the same PhD program. And you know that story that I often talk about, like the friend in the graduate school that took me to a sex shop and like bought like sex toys with me for the first time. That is Dr. Lori (laughs) Bednarczyk. That is me. Yes. Yes. So she has always (laughs) been the sex educator uh, in some capacity. And I'm so excited to have a conversation with you here today. Uh, So from your bio and, you know, I talked to you, so I know uh, your work and what you've been up to and it's really cool. So you go to a lot of campuses, uh, various uh, organizations, and you talk about things from like consent and dating violence. And I was sharing with you how, my students often think the consent chapter in the textbook is the most boring chapter. Like, yeah, we got it. Affirmative consent next. Right. So I really want to hear your perspective on like, how do you teach consent in a way that's engaging and sexy and really applicable?
1: Yes. I I feel like your students are very similar to a lot of the other students. Right. And I think that one thing to focus on is that students know consent is good. They know it's safe. They know it's beneficial, right? They have positive attitudes towards it. And they know at this point, like I got to do it. That's not the issue when it comes to consent. The problem is, is that when students get into the situation or when anybody gets into the situation, they're like, oh gosh, this is the point that I learned about where I have to do the consent thing. And then they're like, I don't know what to say. So my whole thing when I go is everything that I do is examples of things that you can say. And, you know, I use the comparison of, uh, I'm sure your students are like this, but every single time there's an assignment, my students want a sample paper. Right. They're like, I, <laughs> yeah. I want to see a student example. Like, how am I supposed to know what to do if you don't give me an example? And so I always use that kind of parallel with them, where I'm like, I'm going to be giving you a lot of examples because. The thing is, is you know you need to do it. Everybody's given you the instructions to do it. You know that it needs to be this enthusiastic yes, but what does that sound like? And so, you know, throughout the program, that's all we're doing is just lots and lots and lots of examples of things that they can say to communicate their own consent, to you know, communicate or to ask for consent from somebody else. You know, I think that also we we oftentimes focus on this being like a one person asks and one person answers. And I also try to encourage students and anybody I talk to where this is kind of an ongoing feedback sort of thing, right? So it's not just like, are you okay? Or are you enjoying yourself? I should be saying, yes, that feels good. That feels amazing. You know, little to the left. Yep, there it is, right? So I should be giving that feedback so that there isn't that, you know, silence.
0: (laughs) Exactly what you just said. I think that a lot of people don't think that that's consent. Mm -hmm. They think, oh, "Oh, that's, that's just feedback. That's just me like moaning or like, oh, that feels good. Is so like a lot of people wouldn't conceptualize that as as consent. So I love that you said that, like that (laughs) is consent. Oh, 100%. I mean, I even
1: talk about how consent doesn't need to happen in the bedroom right? I tell, you know, I I have lots of students who come up and they're like, I've been in this relationship for a long time. And, you know, how do we do this in a relationship? And, you know, I tell them, and, and this can be for anybody, it doesn't matter if you're in a relationship or not, but talking about sex and about boundaries when your clothes are on versus when your clothes are off is always something that i suggest as well so you can have a conversation of like here are my boundaries right or i want to try this new thing what do you think about this and of course that doesn't mean as soon as we get into bed we're going to do it right we need to check back in and make sure oh are we going to do that thing we talked about okay that sounds great but you know you can talk about these boundaries and and kind of what you're comfortable with um talking about condom use and sti and STd testing and you know all the the things that we should be informed about before we're engaging in sexual activity and being informed again, all of that is consent. So, you know, it's not just about, do you want to have sex? Yes. (laughs) Right. There's a lot, a lot more to it than that. And, you know, I think that it's really hot and I'm really trying to kind of get rid of that idea that it's awkward Mm -hmm. or that it ruins the mood. Um, You know, we know from research that there are so many positive benefits to consent, including, you know, obviously preventing sexual violence and non-consensual sex, you know, number one, but also better sex, better sexual activity, uh, closer relationship with the person that you're with, uh, more communication about other topics besides sex, more safe sex practices uh, higher self esteem, right? There's just so many benefits that come from it. Where you know we should be thinking about, uh, you know, not just not sexually assaulting somebody or not having non consensual sex, right? right? Like if that's like the goal, I'm like, <laughs> the bare minimum, pretty low, right? <laughs> so like I'm just like, let's talk about this. Like here's what the ideal looks like. Here's what we should be doing. And if it's not that. Either we need to be checking in and talking to each other Mm -hmm. or we need to stop. So I think a lot of times we focus on no, which is important because no always means no. But, you know, I think that students are getting to the point where they're like, I get it. I get no means no. I get maybe means no. I get silence means no. But like, what does a yes sound like? Right. So that's what I, that's the side of things that I really like to focus on.
0: I love that because the traditional way of teaching consent is like, yes, here's a scenario you should ask. May I touch your pussy? (laughs) Like, (laughs) no, she said, yes. Okay, let's have sex. People, people like it's just so robotic. (laughs) Students are bored. They know what they have to ask. Uh, So I love that. What you just said, Uh, can you give us some specific examples? Like right now, all my listeners, like what can we say tonight? Uh, For someone who's maybe in early dating, maybe already in a relationship or even in a marriage, like uh, what are some cool examples of this like beautiful, fluid consent? Yeah, Uh,
1: well, again, I think the feedback part is is something that helps it be fluid because, you know. If you are being very vocal about something feeling good, your partner feels like, "Oh, I'm going to keep doing this, right?" And I always laugh, but you know, on one of the the first screen that I show people, I talk about like continuous consent, so checking in, and I talk about positive feedback. And there's this one little bubble that says, "That feels epic," and like everybody laughs, right? And I'm like, "You're laughing, but think about it." I'm like, "Let's say that you are giving your boyfriend a blowjob." and he goes oh my god that feels epic yes I'm like uh yeah it does right like (laughs) and then everybody laughs and like I had somebody in one uh program was like oh gosh like that would be so weird like I feel like I would start laughing if they said it to me and I'm like and what's wrong with laughing during sex like wouldn't that be a fun moment and and kind of break the ice and have a good time so I, I think that is one thing um I think too, what, what's really interesting, and this is something that my partner and I do and, you know, I am so laser focused on my career and I'm so busy. Right. So there are just some times when like sex is just like, and he's gone so much that like sex is like the button is just gone. Right. So a lot of times he'll just, you know, say something, you know, in the morning and be like, Hey, want to do the sex thing today? And I'm like, Mm, yeah, that sounds great. And then I can like mentally get myself in a place where I'm like, oh, and then like all day I like start to get really excited for it. Right. And then sometimes he'll check back in and I'm like, "Mm, no, like I, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling good or, you know, whatever. But it's like, I think too, kind of talking about like, Hey, do we want to have sex tonight? Or do we want to get out the coconut oil and do naked (laughs) massages later? So I think too, like sometimes putting people on the spot and saying like, do you want to do this right now can be, I mean, it's, it's fun, spontaneous. I'm not saying we don't do that sometimes, but I do think that it's important, you know, to give people time to, you know, think about it and, you know, get in the mood and things like that. Um, You know, I get a lot of questions from people where it's like, do I have to like every single time we do something, do I need to ask like over and over and over again? And my answer to that is that there are, like, things that you can say to your partner to kind of establish what the consent is going to be moving forward. So things like, hey, you know, I I want the freedom to, you know, hook up without, you know, having to stop every single time, but consent's really important. And I want you to know that if at any point you feel uncomfortable or you want to say no, you know, that's totally okay. And kind of opening that space for no and opening that space of like, if you're not feeling something, let me know. And then, you know, obviously, you know, giving feedback and checking back in and things like that, but that kind of, you know, opens up that space of like, Hey, let's talk about consent before we even start and let me make no. And I'm not, I don't want to do that a normalized, totally fine thing for you to do. Because I know at least for for me as a female in a heterosexual relationship, when I was hooking up with people, that's like a scary thing sometimes where you're like, I don't want to have sex, but like, how do I, like, at what point do I say that? At what point do I say no? So when a partner opens that up for you, it 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 just, you know, makes you feel a lot more relaxed and, and you know, just comfortable in the situation so I know those aren't like necessarily sexy but I think that they open space for us to have fun during the
0: actual act that we're doing um more worry-free yeah yeah one of the ways that my partner and I um give consent now that you explain how like consent is so wide range and I, I applied the concept to myself, I'm like, Oh wow. So we consent all the time. Uh, he would text me, uh, you know, can't wait to fill you up tonight. What are you thinking? Right. So I didn't, I didn't know that. I mean, based on your definition, that's consent. That's like yeah. him asking me, shoot, like, do you want to have sex tonight? Yeah.
1: Hey, do it you was wanna... like dirty yeah. talk and sexting. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that, Oh my gosh, like now I've promised this, right? right? Like, Of course, like when you get in the moment, you can always say, Hey, I know I said yes earlier, but I you know, tired. Yeah, we can always change our mind. But yeah, like that, you know, sexting and you know, kind of being suggestive, all of that stuff. And, you know, there's there's some research that's that's emerging now and stuff definitely something that I want to explore myself and some of my own research. But this idea that consent starts before we ever even get in the bedroom. Right. And especially for students, when you think about it, students are are saying, Hey, we're at the party, we're grinding, we're making out we're grinding. So like you've what do they call it now? Am I old that I just called it grinding? <laughs> working yes, or, or yes. Do it, whatever we are basically <laughs> humping on the dance floor you have a half boner it's like poking me yes, right what's that gonna whole, happen oh my gosh that whole thing where we all did it in college right we <laughs> so like think about that right so like they're they're doing all of those things right and the person you know is reacting and they're, you know, consensually making out. And then you get to this point where it's like, Hey, want to go back to my place? Cool. Right. And this is something I address in in my talks too, is that if you ask somebody to go back to your place, nowhere in that question, does it say, do you want to go back to my place and have sex? It's, do you want to go back to my place? That's what I, or your the person has said yes to. And then, you know, this idea of continuous consent, checking back in like, hey, don't want to assume anything, but are you down to get naked and have sex? Yes. Cool. Great. Versus, hey, like maybe you get back there and like the music's not on anymore. Like the energy's <laughs> not, you know, and you're just like, it's 2am. I want my burrito. And yeah. I, want, you know, I was going to say, like, maybe you just want to order Taco Bell I and, like yeah. drink some Gatorade. Yeah. I just want my California burrito and my bed. Right. But you're cool. And I'm not saying that I never want to have sex with you, but I've changed my mind tonight and right. all I want is food and bed. So, you know, those, those sorts of just checking back in and, you know, I think students don't realize that, you know, they kind of know, and I, I always like things on continuums, right. Cause I don't think anything should be boxed. So like on the continuum, they're thinking like, an absolute no, right? No. And then they're thinking like, yes. And there's like everything in between, right? There's so many things in between. And you know, especially when you think about like power manipulation and all of those things, they're like I would never manipulate my partner, right? But like even you inviting somebody back to your place, that creates some power differentials, right? So like if I'm a female in a heterosexual and I'm heterosexual and I go back to a guy's place, that can be a scary thing for me, right? I might feel like I have to do something or how do I get, like, what if I say no and he doesn't let me leave, right? So, so we also don't think about some of these kind of more silent, um, more, um, I don't know, subtle things that, that might be going on yeah. that, you know, make consent difficult.
0: Yeah talking about like, what if I'm at his place and I said, no, and he doesn't let me leave. Like that happened to me. And it was really shitty. Uh, yeah. and a lot of times, like afterwards you kind of think to yourself like, well, but then you went, you know, and it's, it's really shitty. It's a shitty yeah. feeling. Cause then you question like, I'm, am I smart or am I dumb?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, and that's why, you know, so many, you know, I get asked all the time. They're like, why don't, why don't people report sexual assault? And, you know, as women, we are told from like the time that we can stand mm-hmm. all the things that we should be doing to prevent sexual assault, right? Don't mm-hmm. dress like this. Don't go out at night by yourself. Don't get too drunk. Don't wear the short skirt. Don't go back to his house, you know, all of the things, right? So then what happens is we're sexually assaulted and we start thinking, well, I I did wear the skirt. I was, you know, I did make out with him. I did go home with him. I did, you know, and, and that's like, the thing is, is like, no matter you doing all of those things, that doesn't mean that you should be assaulted, but we oftentimes blame ourselves because, well, I did go back to his place. So I guess I deserved it. Like how fucked up is it that we think that? you know, yeah. that I wore this. So, I mean, I gave him the wrong impression and everybody says that I've had conversations with Uber drivers about this and <laughs> all the stuff, right. Well, and, your Uber rides must be very interesting. Oh my gosh. Yes. I, I have had some interesting Uber rides. Well, I, I think usually when I have women, female Uber drivers, yeah. I, I like asking them about being a driver. Right. Uh, most of them, all of them that I've been with at least have stories about inappropriate behavior and, and, and being, you know, assaulted or harassed or touched or, you know, things like that. So then it comes oh. up what I do for a living. And then we start, you know, chit-chatting, but, you know, we'll talk about like, you know, somebody getting drunk and going home with somebody. And even the women will be like, well, you know, if she's going to get that drunk, what does she expect? And I'm like, ah, Why? Why are we still saying that? Like, we can't get over this idea. Like a man never has to think about going out, getting drunk and passing out on the side of the road. Right. Right. Like never thinks about that, but I have to be in control at all times. And God forbid that I, you know, I take one shot too many or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I think that people assume you know, she must do that every night. No, I've had nights where it's just like, I don't know what happened, but like, I got drunk really fast. I couldn't find my friends and you're in a bad situation. Right. And that's not like, just because I put myself at risk doesn't mean I deserve something.
0: Yeah. So, so talking about that, like, is that so, I mean, sexual assault And dating violence, are they related? And then like, what is dating violence?
1: So sexual abuse and sexual violence can happen in relationships. I think a lot of times people don't realize that, right? So, you know, just because I'm in a relationship, it's, it means I can still say no. It means that my partner still needs to, you know, we both need to continue uh, communicating consent. Uh, you know, I, one partner may stop taking birth control without telling the other person, um, you know, take a condom off during sex, uh, you know, all of those different types of things could all happen in relationships. And that that's, we consider that dating violence. Um, it separates kind of into the sexual realm. And so there's different types of dating violence. And I think calling it dating violence, particularly with college students makes it more relevant for them. Cause I think when we think of domestic violence, we think of married couples and college students don't relate to that. So, you know, making sure that you're saying, Hey, this happens in, you know, casual dating relationships, situationships, you know, committed relationships, whatever they are in these behaviors can happen. And it's, it's, you know, there's a lot, right? There's the emotional, verbal sorts of abuse. Obviously, there's physical. I think that a lot of uh, college students ignore, again, this idea of like the continuum, right? Well, my partner isn't hitting me, but they grab my arm and pull me and keep me from leaving. That's physical violence, right? Um, Women, Hitting men, I have a huge issue with our society being okay with that, right? A woman slaps her boyfriend or pushes him or gets violent, and everybody's just like, oh, well, I wonder what he
0: did, right? Yeah, there's and, a whole like TikTok hashtag for that. Yeah, it's of, of like, of like girlfriends beating up their boyfriend for doing quote unquote something wrong. It's so wrong. It is not okay, right? It is not okay to not allow
1: a man to push or slap a woman, but a woman can do the same thing. And just because it doesn't hurt him, right? Like it's gonna be hard for me to hurt him in the same way that he can hurt me because of my body size and, you know, muscle size and capabilities. but it that's still not okay. That's still physical violence, right i'm I'm physically touching you with the intent of hurting you right. Um. And so I think that, you know, women tend to commit more verbal, emotional abuse Mm -hmm. because that's what we have the power to do because the physical stuff is much harder for us to uh, exert. Um, But, you know, obviously we're talking about heterosexual relationships. That's just because that's what I'm in. And so I relate to that. But this violence happens in same-sex relationships as well um, and just as much as it does in heterosexual relationships.
0: So when we say violence, I feel like it sounds very drastic. So now my curiosity goes to what are some like really minor things that happen that are dating violence that people wouldn't first say that it is?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, and we've had this conversation before, but I think the technology and the digital stuff that's happening, right? These. Oh, yeah. What was the term? Digital dating violence.
0: Okay. What is it?
1: So digital dating violence is, is, you know, controlling your partner or, you know, hurting your partners using technology. Right. Uh, And, you know, a lot of these kids, I mean, they grew up with smartphones, they grew up with social media and so many of the like privacy issues and things like that are just like, it's so normal for them to share passwords or share their location and, you know, I, I think one of the things that I always tell students and people in general is that nobody ever needs to know where you are 24-7. And the idea of a partner demanding that you always share your GPS location via your phone with them, like, you know, the, whenever students say this, they're like, but if we trust each other, what's the problem? And it's like, well, wait a second, that's fucked up. Let's switch that. If you trusted each other, you wouldn't need to see where somebody is because they would say, I'm going over to John's house or Sarah's house. Okay, see you when you get back. I don't need to look on my phone to make sure you got to Sarah's or John's. No. However, I do think location sharing is a wonderful invention that is Super like safe. I love sharing my location when I'm alone, when I don't know where I am, when I need, you know, when I get in an Uber, you know, safety issues or times when I can't find somebody or whatever. But, you know, partners demanding that they share a location. And it was funny because one of my students actually said to me, he was like, Oh my God, I've never even thought about that. He's like, All of my friends, like everybody has my location all the time. I don't even think about it. And I was like, what? So I think it's just so normalized. They do it with their friends. Then they do it with their romantic partner. And it's like, that's just a recipe for disaster, right? Because if you have access to that, you're going to look at it. And, you know, I can't think of how many times I say I'm going over to Sarah's house and I stopped somewhere else before, or Sarah says, hey, actually let's meet here instead. And all of a sudden now I've created all these problems when, I didn't do anything wrong. I'm still with Sarah. We just changed plans and I don't need to ask you if that's okay. I am an individual person. Uh, so I think that's a huge one. I think, you know, going through each other's phones, uh, you know, a lot of people don't think that's a big deal and, and that's, I deserve my privacy. Yeah.
0: You know, So when does this become a big deal? Like, so if you feel violated, you don't want to share your phone, um, so it, is that when it is like digital dating violence is when you feel like you're being violated? So yeah. for couples who say that they don't feel violated, that they want their partner to be able to go through their phones, do you think that that's okay? Or is there like certain boundaries that we have all like been missing and like we never thought about? Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: yeah. I th- that's there's no like direct answer to that. Right. So I would say, you know, if, if there's a couple that looks through each other's phones that share their locations all the time, I mean, I would still look at that and say that, like, I don't think that those are healthy behaviors because I think healthy behaviors in relationships includes allowing both partners to be an individual and have privacy right? They're obviously agreeing to it. So that works for them. Uh, I also don't know the context of it, right? Because I also tell people, you know, a lot of us go into relationships with a lot of past trauma, right? So if I'm going into a relationship and my last partner cheated on me, I probably have a lot of trust issues. So me, maybe me and my partner have talked about, you know, showing each other those things or, or being more open about those things in order to help build the trust that, you know, I'm going into the relationship without. So I I think that it's, you know, kind of case by case basis, but you know, if you're just wondering like, Oh, is my partner being abusive? If you feel like you don't, you can't have your own privacy. Because you need to tell this person where you're at all the time or check in with them all the time, or, you know, you, they, you get home and they're drilling you about where you went and what you did and who you were with. Like, that's a problem.
0: Okay. Yeah. Thanks for giving us like, you know, an example of exactly what it looks like. And before this call, we talked about, you know, some red flags in dating. We also, uh, you mentioned, you know, we should talk more about the green flags of dating, but then you also mentioned orange, (laughs) can you give us some examples of the obvious red flags um, and then some obvious green flags and then maybe like a couple of the orange flags like what are they well I you know something
1: that I I have kind of come up with I'm sure somebody came up with it before me but uh, I was trying to figure out because I've had so many students lately come up and say I don't know what a healthy relationship looks like. Nobody's ever taught me how to be in a relationship. And I watch a lot of dating shows. And like just recently I've now, well, obviously I binged the ultimatum, which is screwed up. And then I've also um, started watching X on the beach, which is an MTV show, which is really screwed up, but like also every like show that is surrounding dating, like Without the drama, we wouldn't watch it. Right. And so we almost get to a point where the only things we're seeing are little red flags and then big red flags. And we're like, oh, well, you know, my partner lied to me, but like it's not as bad as this person who like really lied to their partner. Right. So like we compare ourselves and we're like, yeah, it's a red flag, but it's not as bad. Right. Like, yeah, he grabbed me aggressively, but he didn't punch me in the face. Right. So like, my students are putting everything on like how big is the red flag versus like legit green. Like, I feel like I can be myself with my partner. Like something as simple as do you feel like you can show all parts of yourself to your partner? And the example I give is, you know, I, I used to think I was really good at long distance relationships and what I found was that I loved when my partner would be home. Cause we would like do all these things and have all this fun and it would be great. And then as soon as he would leave, I'm like, oh my gosh, now I can binge watch love is blind and nobody's going to make fun of me. <laughs> and so there were certain things that I did not do when I was around him because I was like, he's going to make fun of me or like, you know, say something and I just don't want to deal with it. So I'll just wait until he's gone that's problematic that you feel that way, that you can't truly be yourself, even right. down to like, I can't, you know, watch the shows I want to watch because right. he's going to think it's dumb.
0: Right.
1: Um, you know, I think that's a huge green flag. I feel like I can be myself. Um, you know, I feel comfortable setting boundaries and I respect my partner's boundaries. So if my partner says, I'm not ready to have sex, you say, great, not great. Two months later, um, now it's been two months. How's that boundary coming? It's uh-huh. like no, like I respect that. I truly respect it. I'm not saying that I do. I'm, I'm. I really, truly respect it. I have
0: um, a question about that. So yeah. let's say that example. I think I think a lot of people can resonate with that example. So is there a deadline? Because like, what if they are in a relationship and they started, you know, let's say they started dating, and then one person, let's say, uh, one person says. I'm not ready to have sex. I got out of a relationship where I was cheated on and, you know, sex to me just feels really unsafe right now. So I don't want to have sex right now. And the other person like, yeah, completely fine. I definitely understand. Take your time. I want you to heal. But let's say, you know, half a year later, um, they still don't allow any sexual touch um, or activity. Um, w- when would you say, like, is there a deadline? Like, How do you approach this kind of situation? So,
1: I mean, I would say some of that's beyond the scope of my expertise, right. In the sense that like, I think some of that's going to be like working with a therapist and a counselor on your trauma. Um, And I would say like, if, if somebody, you know, is taking years and, and is still having really T- a really tough time letting anybody touch them or get close to them. I would say that is something to be, you know, working on with a therapist or with a counselor because, you know, trauma is something that we can take with us forever, right? Uh, and so we're, you know, really working through that is is important. I would say there is no limit. Like, if I am, do not want to be sexual with my partner because that is uncomfortable to me. Um, then I'm allowed to do that for a decade. Right. But my partner doesn't have to stay with me. Right. If my partner's like, I need more, um, you know, and and we've tried to work through this and I know you're working on it. And I think that that has to be a decision and a conversation that those people have with one another. Right. Um, you know, but I think that probably our students are experiencing something more like, you know, I, when I was in college, I was a virgin and, you know, I remember, you know, I started dating this guy and he was, you know, older and I was like, Hey, like I'm a virgin. I'm not ready. And he's like, no problem. And I was like, Oh my gosh, he's so great. And I was like, so smitten. Cause like, he didn't, didn't ask me why nothing it was just like, that's great. Yeah. But you know, a month and a half in, he was like, so are you ready to have sex yet? And I was like, no. And he's like, what do you mean? It's been a month. <laughs> and I'm like, I haven't changed my mind. right? And then he just stopped talking to me. And that was that. And just, it was devastating. So yeah. I think we probably see more of that kind of thing. Like, I don't want to do this or here's my limit. Um, and the other person getting impatient by that boundary. And yeah. you know, that, you know, I wouldn't say like, oh my God, huge red flag. But like, that's certainly something that, you know, I think couples need to, when you start feeling uncomfortable or like something's not right or somebody does something and you're like, hmm, like I really wish you would have called or I really, you know, would have felt better if if this would have happened. That's the time to talk about it because that's the yellow flags or the orange flags, whatever we Ooh, want to call them. Talk like, more about the
0: orange flags.
1: Yeah. Those are the ones where it's like, hey, you know what? Like my partner said that they would be home by midnight. They're going out with friends. Hey, I'll be home by midnight. You wake up, it's 1.30 in the morning, no call, no text, no person, right? Then you're worried. Did something happen? What's going on? Do they not have a key? Usually most people are like, are they cheating on me, right? Um, I don't know why your mind goes there immediately. Um, That should give you a red flag if you automatically think your partner's cheating on you. Um, Usually I'm just like, well, that's weird. Like, why, why are they not home? That's what they said they would do. And then, you know, three o'clock rolls around and they come, you know, walking in. I'm upset. They said that they were going to be home by midnight. I don't care if they come home at three, but can't you text me? So, you know, the next day having a conversation with your partner, like, hey, um, you know, I don't care if you stay out until three, but I was worried and I didn't get much sleep once I woke up because I was worried that something happened. So, Hey, next time, if you know that you're going to be staying out later than you say a quick text would be awesome, just so I don't have to worry. Right. That's the, like the super minor yellow flag, right? It's not like, you're like, but it's one time address it the first time, set that expectation And then if the person breaks that, then you can start to get upset with them. But if you've never communicated that you want them to let you know, or that here's when I expect a text, or, you know, here's when, you know, I feel uncomfortable, then how can you expect that person to read your mind?
0: I love this point because so many people are like, but if it's true love, they should know how I feel. (laughs) No. (laughs) No. No, no, no. And and the thing is so my
1: boyfriend calls calls my my stuff he says Lori has lots of preferences. And <laughs> what he thinks by this is like you sh- you close the shower curtain when you get out of the shower. You put the toilet seat down. Like, you know, all of the things like cuz we live together. So, but those weren't things that I expected, right? And I remember in a past relationship I was like, "Oh, like he doesn't close the shower curtain." That's really annoying. But I was like, I don't want to say anything. It's not that big of a deal. So every time he got out of the shower, I would go in and close it. And I would go in and close it. And I would go in in and close it. And then 500 times of going in and closing it, I'm like, will you close the fucking shower curtain (laughs) when you get out of the shower? And he's like, what do you oh my gosh, like, why are you mad at me? He didn't know it was a problem. He didn't know that it was a problem. And I never said anything until it got so like boiled over. And I could have just addressed it the first time. Like, hey, you know, I'd really appreciate if you closed the shower curtain. My boyfriend says, okay, cool, closes the (laughs) shower curtain. He says to me, Hey, Lori, I really would not like you to put the knives face up in the dryer when you, when you wash them, which is something I always would do. And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. I won't do that anymore. Right. right. And, you know, it's, it's, it, and I know those are minor things, but everything in a relationship, you know, just telling your partner, Hey, yes. can you, can you shoot me a text if, you know, you're going to be later than midnight?
0: Yes. Cool
1: great. I don't care where you are, but if I wake up and you're not here when you said you were going to be home, I worry about you. And so right. that's common courtesy. That's not mm-hmm. me like making you do something, right? right. It's just, not me like, like nagging. Yeah. Yeah. And there's like a difference between that, right? Like there's a difference between being considerate of the person that you're with and being respectful and understanding that if you're going to be in a relationship, then there is another person for you to consider when you're doing things. Right. But I don't have to check in with that person all the time about everything that I'm doing, but if it's going to affect them, or if I tell them one thing and that changes, you know, not telling them is disrespectful. So I think that those things I would call more yellow flags. Like, I don't feel good about this, or this is something that I want to change, or, you know, this, this is, you know, I want to talk about it, but it doesn't seem like that big of a deal. That's when you need to talk about it because it's not a big deal. Right. Once it becomes a big deal, it's usually because you've let it go for so long. And then the person's like, well, that's how I've always done things. Why are you now mad about it versus you bringing it up the first time that it doesn't make you feel good? Like, hey, I saw you flirting with this girl right in front of me at the bar. And, you know, that made me feel really uncomfortable. Like, what what, what was up with that? And having the conversation, you know, and, and letting that person say, oh, well, that was actually my friend Andrea you know we know each other from back home and i couldn't believe that i ran into her at the bar oh great like instead of me continuing right. to create a story that's yeah. not true right uh, so i think that you know constantly you know checking in and letting your partner know i'm not okay with this i am okay with this i would like for this to happen i saw this it didn't make me feel good can we talk about it um that that's all that middle ground right where there's the red flag, totally respectful, respecting my boundaries. There's the part where like, they push me a little and I, you know, Hey, why don't we go a little further sexually this time? Right. That's the yellow. Hey, you know what? Let me remind you what my boundary is. Let's have a conversation about this. Right. And then if the person continues red flags, red flags, right. If the behavior doesn't change.
0: I love what you're saying because it, again, um, validates the fact that communication is the most important thing in a healthy relationship. And whenever you notice these little yellow orange flags, um, when you don't address it and it keeps piling up and when you explode, it's really hard to have effective communication when there's so much resentment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This applies directly to the biggest sex issue, the biggest sex issue is the lack of sexual communication because, uh, we were never taught to have sexual communication competence. We are so afraid of bringing up things that bother us. Yep. For example, um, there's this woman that I often talk to and she said that, you know, I have been in this relationship for 10 years. I never told my boyfriend that He needs to spend longer time on foreplay. And now I don't know how to say it because there's no, like, they don't have a culture of communication in their relationship. Everything is about, like, oh, this is going great. This is going great. Uh, And then now, you know, 10 years later, she's like, yeah, I don't think we even have it in us to even bring that up. So, should I just break up with him? (laughs) Or, like, what do I do? Right. I'm like, it's, that's, uh, yeah. that's and, I,
1: and I think there's even, you know, more on top of that. Right. So not only is it lack of communication, sexual communication competence, but I think also women in general develop this idea that our pleasure isn't as important, um, that, you know, we kind of equate like sex starting when a guy gets a boner and ending when he comes. Right. And instead of like, Hey, guess what? Like I might go down on you and you blow your load in 30 seconds. I'm not going to have an orgasm in 30 seconds. Like, I'm not, (laughs) I mean, I, I'm not saying I never have, but like, it's, you know, there's, there's more that women need. Right. right? And, and I think that that's, that's something that I, it took me a really long time to learn was that my pleasure matters. And it wasn't until I had a partner that actually was the one who was like, I want to do this. Like, and just, I want to hang, I want to hang out down there. like, I just want to just like be down there. And I'm like, I'm like, what? You just want, like, you love my vagina? Like, what do you mean? (laughs) He's like, I just want to like do all the things, right? And I was like, oh, wow. You know, I was always going, like with these guys that were like, vaginas are gross. They're smelly. I don't really like going down on girls. And you're just like, oh, okay. Like my vagina smelly and gross. So like, I just, I, I, I remember actually being with somebody where we would have sex and then he would like go to work and I would masturbate. And I thought that was totally normal. (laughs) Like, oh, I'll just give myself my own orgasm because that's easier than asking my partner for it. So I think that, you know, in addition to just not knowing what to say, I think women have even more of a block because it's like, oh, this is about my pleasure. And we're so not used to, you know, putting our pleasure first or making it an important part of the sexual interaction.
0: Right. Uh, A lot of us are not there yet, but I think we're getting there. I think we're, you know, there's a lot more communication and content and media that addresses pleasure. I think there's a new show on Netflix called principles of pleasure, and it's specifically about female um, pleasure. And I think that, you know, this kind of exposure will also let men know like, Hey, you know, even if you've done this five minute foreplay for the last five years, uh, and she's not saying anything you can do better, bro. You can do better. So, uh, and again, I would tell that person too, like, Hey, don't, don't
1: wait until you're in the situation to say it, right. Say it sometime when you, when you're at dinner or you're clothed and you're hanging out and you're like, Hey, I want to bring something up. Like, I would really like for us to engage in more foreplay. And then it's not as like offensive, right? Right. Because it's like, hey, I just want to talk about this. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with our sex life, but I'd like to try this or I'd like this to change, right? Or like I tell people too, a, a really great time to talk about things is right after, So I know some people call it pillow talk. I like to call it the debrief. So like me and my boyfriend will debrief. (laughs) Oh my God. So (laughs) businessy. So quantitative. I'm like, oh, let's debrief. debrief." But like afterwards we'll be like, Hey, how did you like that position? And like, there are some times when we're like, that was kind of weird. I I don't know if that really did it for me. So like, if we're going to do that again, like let's check in or like, let's, let's, Cross that one off the list, right? (laughs) Or, like, hey, when you did this thing with your tongue and it was like slow and like put a like bookmark on that one, (laughs) I want to do that again, right? And it's right after, so you can kind of say, like, here's something that really felt good, or you know what, that was that was a little much, right? Like, that was a little too deep, or too fast, or too slow, or you know, like in saying those things after you get done, it's like I consented to all that, I had a great time but Hey, here's, here's what I really liked. And here's what, you know, maybe
0: glad we tried. it. <laughs> it's a great again. debrief for next time. Yeah. 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 So
1: you kind of have that. And then like, you know, how you say it, right. I'm like, I really liked when you did that thing with your tongue. It was like, here's where it was, here's what it felt like to me. And then, you know, they understand like, Oh, that felt good. Right. right. Um, and it's much easier for you to say that like afterwards than like when they're down there and you're like left. Although (laughs) I do, I'm like left, 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 left. right? Like it, because it, it, I mean, women it's like, and, and what, what do we expect? Right? Like I, I tell guys all the time, guys will be like, Oh, I got the worst blow job the other night. And I'm like, did you tell the person what, what you wanted? And they're like, no. And I'm like, you got a bad blow job because you got a bad blowjob, job and you did nothing about it. I don't have a penis. I don't know what to do with it. I don't know what feels good to you. So you need to tell me because whatever I'm doing probably felt good to somebody else. Right. And the same thing with women, it's like, guys don't know what feels good to us. Right. They're watching the same porn. We are <laughs> Right. And the same, you know, whatever they're watching to figure out how to do this, which is always right. wrong. Right. And so we like we have to communicate with our partner and every woman's different and every guy's different. And we yes. can't assume that like they like this or they want this because the last person did. So I think we we have to. And that comes from us knowing us, knowing how to how to vocalize that. So a lot of the, a lot of times I tell women, particularly figure out what feels good on your own. Yes. Like you need to touch yourself. You need to have a toy. You need to figure out what parts of your body feel good to be touched. So you can actually vocalize that. Don't rely on your hookup partner (laughs) to figure out what feels good. right. Right. You need to like, you can't actually communicate it until, you know, and so I think, you know, one thing is we need to kind of normalize women touching themselves and masturbating and, you know.
0: Yes. Preach it sister. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I just, I think we
1: talk about men's pleasure and men's sexuality so much and, you know, I, I, and, and being somebody who, you know, I've been studying this stuff for so long, but at the same time, I mean, I, I studied it because I needed an outlet to learn about it. And I yeah. I didn't know where to do that. So I was like, okay, well, I like school. So I'll just take all the classes and read all the books. Yeah. Uh, but that doesn't mean that, you know, I was able to do it with my partner. It took a lot of time. Uh, it took a lot of work, you know, individually to to figure out like what I wanted and who I was sexually, mm-hmm. um, to start building my sexual self-esteem, to understand, you know, how to be assertive and what my boundaries were. And, you know, when we talk about boundaries, I think we also need to think about, okay, what are your boundaries, but also what are you going to say or do if somebody pushes or crosses that boundary, right? right? Because we might have the boundary and communicated it, but if somebody starts violating it, how do we respond? Have we thought about that, right? So, again, I, I just think that, you know consent going back to the very beginning that mm-hmm. chapter that's really boring i mean there is so it's so complicated and so nuanced right that when we simplify it to enthusiastic yes that's when people are like okay got it because that that's so
0: simplistic that we cannot define consent like that wow uh, that's such a good ending to this episode. <laughs> like that was such a good, uh, that wrap. Yeah, that was a good debrief, Lori. That was a good <laughs> debrief. So uh, before you go, I always ask my guests to play this game with me. It's called 10 quickies with Dr. Tara. And what it is, it's kind of like the Vogue 73 question. So I'm going to give you a word and you just give me a response back. It can be a word, a sound, a sentence, a couple sentences. Are you ready? <laughs> I, I'm, no, but go ahead. <laughs> I need your I consent. I'm I'm a need little,
1: your- yes, I'm a little worried. I'm going to give you a hesitant, not an enthusiastic yes. <laughs> no, I'm enthusiastically
0: consenting to playing the game. Let's this do it. This is going to be great. All right. Number one, penis. Vagina. Number two, monogamy. I was going to say boring, but. <laughs> Whatever that comes to your mind. There's yeah. no wrong answer. Number three, three Threesomes. Uh, messy. Number four, porn. (laughs) Um, BBC. (laughs) Number five, lube. Mandatory. Number six, anal sex. Ouch. Number seven, uh, yoga. Relaxing. Number eight, sex parties. Uh, love watching don't want to uh, participate <laughs> number nine sexual confidence yes and last but not least number 10 what do you think about this premature ejaculation cool <laughs> Let's go, cool just go down on me there are so many other things you can do oh my god i love this i'm gonna make this a post uh, premature ejaculation question mark cool just go down on me you're Yeah. Or let's get out the coconut oil and give each other
1: naked massages. I don't know. Right. Like, love it. Just because, I mean, I, I feel like we need to, you know, stop um, stigmatizing it. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, they can't control it.
0: Right. Yeah. Like
1: women who are like, Oh, oh my gosh, you only lasted this long. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, Hey, can you like, I'm done. I'm ready. Yeah. So whenever you're ready. I'm like this whole porn, like 20 minute, like, Pounding thing, I'm like that's not reasonable. Like at least for me. So I'm like two minutes. If it's a great two minutes,
0: give it your all. Like an A plus two minutes. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much.
1: Like for me too. I'm like the faster you come, the better I feel about myself
0: because you just (laughs) couldn't you couldn't resist. Yeah, you're so horny for me.
1: Thank you so much for your time today, Lori. Uh, Of course. I had a great time. I
0: love how how open and honest we can be. Awesome. And my loves, thank you so much for listening until the end of the episode. If you find that this episode resonates with you, I would love if you can share this episode with your friends, your family, your loved ones. And again, always tagging lovebytes.co. I'd love to hear from you. Other than that, have an orgasmic day. I'm all about being sexual and in the moment. This is why I orgasmically recommend the Pulse Warming System. Pulse dispenses warm lube with just a swipe of your hand so you can get right back into action, which my partner and I love. So toss that sticky lube bottle and get the Pulse Warming System and have an orgasmic play. Thanks for listening. This was was Love Bites. Love Bites by dr tara follow dr tara on social media at lovebites.co have an orgasmic day